BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. When you're in the midst of a traumatic time in your life, it may seem impossible to find your way out. But my next guest has been through what many would consider the absolute worst loss and has managed to not just persevere, but to embrace her hardships. No one gets through life without a few trials and tribulations, but our guest today has had more than most throughout her life. We're joined by Susie Clark, an Iowa native and also the author of a new book, And Then There Was One. Um, they say that losing a child is the absolute worst thing that anyone can endure. Mm -hmm. You've lost not just one, but two. Yes. Tell us about your children. When they were 13 and 16, my son had been diagnosed with cerebral palsy, which was a misdiagnosis, and he started getting worse. So they started doing extensive testing on him at Washington Children's Hospital in St. Louis and discovered through a series of clues that it was Neiman Pick type C, which is such a rare disease they never even thought to look for it. And then you found out your daughter had yeah. it as well. Right. So, and the chances of both of them having it is incredibly rare because normally they're white, one child that would carry it. So your son died in what year? 98. And four years later, your daughter died. Right. Um, but that wasn't all. Your husband was then diagnosed with colon cancer. Right. Eight years later, he passed away from colon cancer. So what goes through your mind when all of this is happening? Initially, why me? You know, after we lost the kids and then Howard was diagnosed with cancer, it's, you know, we paid our dues. This is, this is just too unfair. But somehow, out of all of this, you have found something positive. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why you wrote this book, right? Correct. So tell us a little bit about the book. Well, throughout my kids' illness, I kept a journal every day. And it just helped me stay focused. And during the really bad times, you'd go back and read stuff and realize you survived that. Mm -hmm. And you're still standing. Uh, then when my husband was ill, he had we had a Caring Bridge site, and so I used those entries. So I used all of that information and put this book together, and it's dedicated to the to the my family, mm -hmm. and it's a way to keep their legacy alive and their message. They taught us so much in such a short period of time. But this is really also a message to people out there who are struggling, Correct. right? Correct, and everybody has some struggle in their life, whether it's loss of a job or a loved one, uh, divorce, everyone has some struggle. And I want this book to help people understand you can keep your sense of humor, which is a great survival tool, mm -hmm. and your faith, and you can survive if you decide you're going to. And we don't want to, I guess, sugarcoat this at all. You had your moments of deep despair. Oh, yes. Considered suicide. I did. I did. I checked into different ways to do it and, and decided that just 
wouldn't be fair to Howard, Lisa, and Danny survived and never questioned their fate that I would be taking the easy way out. And I just, I couldn't do that. They would have been disappointed. When your kids were diagnosed, and they're saying, they said to you, this is terminal. And no treatment. What's the feeling? Complete despair. And at that time, in the medical journals, there was maybe a paragraph about name and pick disease because it was so rare. There was So the doctor, of course, had never seen it and started experimental different types of medications, which my son was the guinea pig because he was the most advanced in his illness, had terrible side effects. So he protected his little sister by helping us weed out the things that wouldn't work. Another part of this disease is they don't sleep. Mm. And so he would go for days without even sitting down rarely. But the worst part for me of Neiman Pick was it, it's severe Alzheimer's symptoms too. So not only physically did you lose them, they wound up in a wheelchair and couldn't swallow or, or talk, but you lost the essence of who they were. And for me, that was, that was the most devastating because you lost a, a slow deterioration, just like you would lose an elderly parent with the Alzheimer's symptoms. Um, a lot of uh, parents whose children are diagnosed with illnesses, whether it be terminal or, or you know, even something that's curable, mm -hmm. it takes a real toll on the marriage. It does. How it did does. you deal with that? The first hospice person, social worker we worked with said at that time, that 70% of all marriages that lose a child end in divorce. So we thought, great, we have a 140% chance of failing. <laughs> and I think for us, we went just the opposite way. We became so closely intertwined that that helped us get through it. So then when my husband got ill, it was a whole different dynamic because he had to focus all his energy on fighting cancer. And I was left trying to, to flounder, figure out how to cope. So it was a whole, losing a child and losing a husband were completely different entire grief processes. Neither one harder or easier, but just completely different. I think when you lose a child as a parent, anyone would realize you lose a part of your soul. You lose a part of who you are. Mm -hmm. So then when your husband died, and the title of the book is, And Then There Was One, mm -hmm. you must have felt incredibly lonely. Oh, terrible just terribly lonely and I got into a marriage too soon which turned out to be a disaster because it just wasn't I thought being in a incorrect marriage was better than being alone and I was very wrong so I again survived that and realized I could survive on my own but that was really I grew up in a big family and had always been around people and it was really hard to be comfortable with myself but I've gotten to that point. But now I've reconnected with a guy I've known since third grade and we're inseparable. So it, it goes full circle. God does answer prayer. Is it your faith that got you through this the most, do you think? I think Howard and I leaned on each other a lot, but yeah, the faith, you just had to have faith that this would all work out the way it was supposed to. And when my kids died, I knew they were okay. Um, yeah, without my faith, I think we probably would have crumbled. 
And I had someone after my son died came up and said I couldn't put my son in a hole and I never once had thought of it that way. So everybody has their own way to cope. That's such a, to me, saying something like that is mm -hmm. so horrible. Mm -hmm. I mean, were there things that people said to you that... Well, yeah, and that's my other mission is to help people understand that if you go to visit with someone who's lost a loved one, you don't have to say anything because chances are you're going to say something that really sounds really stupid, like God knew you were strong, so he took your child, or he needed another angel, and you just want to slap him, but you know they mean well. If they didn't care, they wouldn't have said something. So if you're with someone that is grieving, just be with them. Just let them talk about the, their loved one. Listen, give them a hug. That's all you need to do. So how did you evolve from what I would say is deep despair, because we, you considered suicide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How did you evolve from that point to, you know what, I'm going to write a book? about this? There was a gentleman, Kurt Swarm, who writes um, an editorial article, I think he's in like 38 papers around Iowa, and he had a writing class in Mount Pleasant, and one winter I took his writing class and I submitted some of the chapters that I had been playing around with in my head, and he said, you've got to write this book. And so he has encouraged me all along that I need to get my story out, and I think he gave me the courage to tackle it, and because I think emotionally I was at a stronger place. I could go back and revisit those times in my life. And I'd have to put it away for a while and then revisit it. What, what do you want to get across to others through this book? I guess that life is what you make of it. We all have trials and tribulations, but you can't give up. And you have to have confidence in yourself. That the you're stronger within. than yeah, you're stronger than you think. Mm -hmm. I read also that you said your son never complained. No, never. I mean, he could have an arm laying across the room, and he never complained. And do you think that? I mean, first of all, what a great role model. Mm -hmm. Because I know. I mean, personally, I'll complain about you know who knows <laughs> yeah. what. A, you know, spilled milk, literally yeah. or figuratively, but. Uh, do you think that that you, you drew from that strength and courage? Oh, yeah. And I think that's what kept me going after they were all deceased, that they never complained. They faced whatever was thrown at them. And I had to do the same thing. I couldn't give up because they deserved better from me than that. So your message to people who, as I said earlier, going through difficult times right whatever. now. what? You know, what are some like simple things that you would suggest they can do to help pull themselves out of the grief or despair that they're feeling right now? Uh, I think find an outlet. For me, working outside was my therapy. Uh, when After the kids were gone, my poor husband would come home, and one time I had ripped a wall out of our house and turned it <laughs> in to move the living room. So, uh, or working outside, Find a purpose. Everybody needs a purpose. And as a mother, my purpose was gone. And then later as a wife, my purpose was gone. So I had to find a new purpose. I think I'm much more empathetic with people, uh, more patient. Find someone who needs you. 
there's always, no matter who I talk to, and my story is pretty unique and was kind of bad a lot of times, there's always someone that tells me a story, and I think, oh, my gosh, that's so, that's terrible. I feel so bad. There's one always my, someone, yeah. One of my favorite sayings is, it can always be worse. Yeah. Someone always has it worse than you do. Yes, yes. Yeah, the first we had the foundation that we had our airplane and we had five pilots who volunteered and we lived in St. Louis. And we would fly families for medical treatment for their kids because we flew commercial with sick kids and that's really tough. There's no handicap restroom on an airplane. So if you're on a six hour flight. Um, the very first people we, we flew was a little 10 month old boy who had cancer behind one of his eyes and we flew him down to St. Jude's. And his mom, they communicated with us for a long time. And she said, I felt so guilty walking around the halls of St. Jude because there were so many kids that were so worse off than mine. I said, it didn't matter. That was your baby. And to you, that was the most traumatic thing in that hospital. Mm -hmm. So everybody has their own trauma. Mm -hmm. And to them, it's the most important. Right. right. And to appreciate that and to respect that, even though it's not as bad as what I went through, it's still terrible for them. So find an outlet, even if it means blowing out one of your walls in the home. Whatever. <laughs> and physical exercise was really good for me. Uh -huh. um, take a biking or, or walking, something. To, you just need a purpose. Mm -hmm. I volunteered a lot. Uh, my daughter took therapeutic horsemanship, and so I started volunteering there. And you're working with other handicapped kids, and you see the parents' faces, so you know how much it means to them, how much it means to the kid to get on the horse and receive their physical therapy that way instead of in a clinical situation. So that was another outlet that I used to vent. I, I had to find a purpose. So I want to hear about how your life is good now. Well, I've reconnected with a guy I've known since we were in third grade and he's just a farmer and we have so much in common and we just enjoy each other's company. Um, now, I've heard some people say after the loss of a loved one, they felt guilt mm. enjoying life. Mm -hmm. How did you get past that? Or did you even have that? Maybe you never I had think, that. I think my family, we had such a sense of humor in my family because without humor, we wouldn't have survived either. You know, you get that demented clinical humor. Uh -huh. And I think that was just real important that that was a survival technique. I don't know that I ever really had the guilt because, it, you know, all of it was completely out of my control. Mm -hmm. um, when the kids were first sick, my husband was angry a lot. And, and men deal with grief so much differently than women. Women want to nurture. Mm -hmm. and, and so I still had my purpose as, an, as a nurturing person where he couldn't fix it. Men mm -hmm. want to go in wanna and fix, fix it and right. move on. And he couldn't do that. And so he was angry a lot. That was his way to cope. But finally, he got past that, and, and we were on the same page. And then we were a much stronger unit. Did you ever get angry? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell angry me. at the situation. Angry at other people who you go in the grocery store, and they're yelling at their kids, and I want to go over and shake them and say, do you know what a gift you have? I was jealous of other people who had what seemed to be normal families, and I'm sure they had their own trials I just didn't know about. But yeah, I was very angry. It just didn't seem fair. 
Did you go to therapy at all? Did you? We tried therapy, but because our situation was so extreme, it seemed like they didn't know quite what to do with us. No one had ever sir, counseled someone who had lost two children. Mm -hmm. um, so it was like we were kind of breaking ground. Um, we tried therapy. We had one psychiatrist who sat across the room from us and had his legs crossed and he'd stare at his socks a lot because right. he just didn't know how to help us. It was just too extreme a situation to help parents that had lost two children from such a horrible disease. Hmm. So overcoming <clears throat> challenges, grief, obstacles, that's kind of the basis mm -hmm. of the book. Mm -hmm. And to keep your sense of humor because that'll get you through a lot and good friends and good support. Right. And there'll be some people who run for the hills because they can't handle it, and that's the way it is. But there'll be somebody else that steps up that is just who you need at that time. Don't give up hope. No, don't give up hope because it'll work out. may not work out exactly how you want it or when you want it, but it will work out, and then you'll look back and think, okay, that makes sense now. On that note, I want to thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, I love, I'm going to get the book. And then there was one, uh, October 19th, <coughs> book signing at Plain Talk Books. Books. All right. Thank you, Susie. Thank you so much, Sonia. All right. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.